emotional proximity is about surrounding yourself with the right people who perhaps are smarter than you. Certainly the billionaires I know are much smarter than me and they teach me a lot about real estate. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today on the show, we're going to create a recipe. Yes, it's the property investment home cooking show. We're actually going to mix a bit of ingredients together to pop out a pretty interesting recipe for investment success. Today's show, we are not cooking a stir fry or a souffle. We're actually going to cook something even more important, the ingredients to investment, success, even property success. So I really want to go through some key ingredients which I think you should really harness because too many Australians and Kiwis are what we call undercapitalized. A lot of people have a fear around investment, fear around borrowing money, and really walk through life in a situation where they're simply undercapitalized, meaning they are not putting it out there to create wealth. And by not doing so, they're going to get the result which they're aiming for, which is a result of nothing. So I tell you what, I'm really pumped to do this show. Of course, this is my 29th show, I believe, talking by myself. So I hope you enjoy my soothing voice. Once upon a time, I did have a co-host, actually, in pre-production. I had a co-host. Yes, her name is Melissa Neighbor. She's a town planner. She's freaking awesome. However, Melissa could not join me for the podcast series. She had some clashing interests with Future Crunch, an awesome organization that focuses on science and the future. So here I am doing it solo, but I hope you're enjoying the episodes and having a bit of fun along the way. So I tell you what, today's show is as much about cracking, cracking some limiting beliefs as well as stir-frying those ingredients to create an awesome recipe. I was recently watching my business partner, long-term business partner, about 20 years in business together, Jason Witten, talking on Facebook. Jason does this awesome show at 8 o'clock in the morning, most mornings around wisdom, around wealth, and around, really, property investment. And really, Jason has inspired this show. If you don't know Jason, make sure you go and check him out on Positive Real Estate's Facebook page. He's literally doing shows most mornings. Of course, he has his own podcast, The Wealth Faculty. Now, Jason was speaking to our lawyer, and our lawyer had called a meeting about deal flow. Both Jason and I are really good deal makers. And our lawyer had set us up with a meeting with a fund with over a billion dollars to spend. That money that they had, they were looking for deals and naturally 
they were seeing if Jason or I could put together some deals. Now, what's so interesting about this meeting is what Jason was referring to in his video. He refers to people aim too low. We're undercapitalized. We actually have a lot of limiting beliefs which hold us back when it comes to money, when it comes to wealth, when it comes to investing. So I really wanted this episode to sort of crack that code. How can we walk away from this podcast with beliefs that we're undercapitalized? We've got to go and spend because if we go and spend and borrow, we're going to end up in a wealthier place. We live in a capitalist society where we have to invest our money in assets. It's the only way out of the rat race. Too many people have limiting beliefs around money and what Jason was saying was very true. We aim too low. A lot of people will have a dream to retire on 500,000, a million dollars. Why not 10? Why not 20 million? Too many people just aim too low and undercapitalize their life and wonder why they wake up at Lake Weirdo when they're 60 years of age. Now, I've got six billionaires in my telephone. I can call up to six billionaires today to do business, to get advice, to do, uh, to create opportunities in the world, right? And I don't say that because I've got a big head about having six billionaires in my phone. Half of them are loose cannons. You don't want them calling you. But I say that because we need to create emotional proximity. And emotional proximity is about surrounding yourself with the right people who perhaps are smarter than you. Certainly the billionaires I know are much smarter than me and they teach me a lot about real estate. All of them are real estate people. And if anyone's heard my episode, my first episode in this podcast was Rich Dad Poor Dad. I grew up in a neighborhood surrounded by fabulous emotional proximity. I grew up the son of an awesome father who went to a market every day to make money. However, my neighborhood, my friends, uh, and in particular one family really guided me using rich dad techniques that wealth is about proximity. What are you close to? What people are motivating around you? Now, they don't have to be obviously billionaires or even millionaires. Some people are really motivating to be around and can't rub two cents together. Motivation and proximity are really important. And I really think too many people lose friendships over emotional proximity. Some people have been friends their whole life and then, of course, someone will move further and further away in the same city and then you just drift apart because you're not close to people. Emotional proximity is so important, whether it's about money, whether it's about the idea of just connecting with someone you really like hanging out with, your friends. 
And I think if you want to fix some friendships which you loved in the past but you don't have today, you have to think about emotional proximity, getting close to those people. Hey, they might live on another part of the city and that may just mean you've got to bite the bullet and go live closer to them. And then all of a sudden, you've got that connection piece. The connection piece is so important. I think right now, a lot of Australians don't have the connection piece and Kiwis to surround themselves with a motivating force to create money, to challenge biases, and to get over the hurdle of wealth creation. So I think today's show is going to give you a framework to work within, a recipe to work with. And I think overcoming biases is, is really part of the puzzle, right? And there are kind of three versions of of bias. And I don't know if it's a plural or single. Do you say bias or biases? But the first one is confirmation bias. This is really where you find evidence to confirm your existing belief. Too many people have confirmation bias when it comes to wealth, when it comes to money. They create limiting beliefs around their confirmation. So people will say, well, you know, the real estate market's too hard to get into. Uh, No one will lend me money. Then they'll look for some beliefs around that. However, perhaps they haven't even seen a broker. Confirmation bias exists in everything. Uh, People will say, you um, you know, the Brisbane property market's better than the Sydney property market and go looking for beliefs around that. Or they'll look for beliefs an apartment is inferior to a house and then go and look for obviously existing beliefs. Complicating it even more, Facebook quite often serves you your confirmation bias. If you, uh, I think, you know, behave a certain way, speak a certain language, um, Google certain things, you're going to get served your bias, Right. So we live in our existing belief state. And as I say, too many Australians and Kiwis are undercapitalized. They aren't investing hard enough or big enough. And I think the great entrepreneur, American entrepreneur and real estate guru, Grant Cardone, kind of says it the best. Grant Cardone has that kind of 10x everything, multiply everything by 10 and then you're actually in a place where you should be, where you should invest. And I think, really, too many people use confirmation bias to destroy uh, themselves financially. The second bias is cognitive dissonance. This is where we go and we eventually find new information that contradicts our existing belief. Now, this is so important for really all of us throughout our life and it can cross genres. It doesn't need to be about property investment. It could be about any form of life. But you need to go and find some contradicting beliefs to yours. If you've got a belief that you can't go out and build a multi-million dollar property portfolio you need to go and find a contradicting belief to that and listen to it. 
educate yourself to it. Because I can tell you it's possible. It happened to me. It can happen to you. I started with nothing. I built my way up to something. And you can absolutely change your world and the world of people around you if you start to open your ideas. Don't close yourself off to limiting beliefs. I mean, back to Jason's TV show, the limiting belief was there's hundreds of millions of dollars, trillions of dollars out there in the world right now looking for a home and we are giving ourselves limiting beliefs of property investors worrying about repairing the dishwasher. I mean, we are undercapitalized, folks. We've got to go out there and invest harder, invest smarter, and get going because time is of the essence. The final bias is known as the Dunning-Kruger bias, really thinking we know more than what we do. And I think, really, a lot of people suffer this syndrome where they walk through life with this kind of uh, belief system about certain things and really they're not qualified to even talk on the conversation at play. You think about everything we've been through with coronavirus and, you know, US elections last year and, uh, you know, just about everything that has polarised society and I guarantee you, We've all had conversations of thinking we know more than what we do. Reality is, if you're not an expert and have done 10,000 hours in a certain field, you're probably not qualified to speak on it. In other words, you should potentially go and find someone or get help from someone who is. Now, this is so amazing because I think also our friends and family suffer Dunning-Kruger syndrome. They will, at barbecues or dinner parties, bring you down. They will try and hold you back. If you go to a dinner with your mum and say, I'm going to invest and, and turn this into a five, seven, ten million dollar property holding portfolio, your parents will probably say you got rocks in your head. Why? Because they often think they know more than what they do when it comes to life experience and older people have a lot of life experience but that doesn't mean it's the right life experience for a certain pocket or expertise surround yourself with money and motivated people because again i think that emotional proximity is so important again for me emotionally pro- i've emotional proximity to six billionaires Do you think when I need property advice, I've got someone to turn to? Do you think when I need wealth advice, I've got some people who have greater expertise than I do? 100%. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. If you're the smartest person in your telephone directory, you need a new telephone directory. So today is about setting some ingredients so you can be successful from investing. And many of the ingredients you can use in other investment asset classes. But what we do know is 1% of property investors are capitalized right. In other words, they've 
spent enough money and capital to have the assets that will make them wealthy in retirement. 99% of property investors and people in Australia are too undercapitalized. They don't have enough real estate. They don't have enough investments. And we know from statistics just how many people end up on the pension. We don't need any bias around that. There is Bureau of Statistics data which tells us just how many people end up on the pension in both Australia and New Zealand. Now, so much of the puzzle can be solved. And really getting well when it comes to money is all about fixing taxes, making sure you uh, invest Understanding bad debt, understanding poorly set up structures, missing out on bad opportunities, avoiding dumb things to invest in, and making sure that you understand fear and inaction and the cost behind that. So I want to give you some key ingredients because we know in a capitalist world to survive, you're going to have to use capital. That's why it's called capitalism. So you need to spend capital to create assets and eventually create income. You live in a capitalist country, but where there's capitalism, there is also what is known as a therapy economy. Everyone is falling behind, so constantly needs therapy. Capital runs faster than people. Today I was reading the newspaper, the rent increases in Perth this year alone, uh, sorry, uh, last year was 6.1%. Capital is moving faster than people's wages. We know that the property market data is looking like it's going to outpace GDP and inflation. Capital is moving faster than people. What then happens is people need therapy because society is running faster than them. And so many people have therapies for all sorts of things. Instead of being fit, we take a multivitamin. Instead of uh, planning our wealth, we react to uh, wealth. You know, aspirins sell really, uh, uh, we are in an aspirin economy. You know, let's fix the headache. And the reason we are is capitalism. It's bloody hard to keep up with it. Capital moves faster than people. Your job is to move as fast as capital. Then you keep up with the rat race. Remember, you are living in a capitalist society and a therapy economy. Just understand that you need some ingredients to create the recipe so you can keep up with capital. And finally, that's why we're here today. 10 key lessons to understanding how to create some ingredients for that awesome recipe. The first ingredient to the recipe, in my view, is leverage and compounding interest. The fact that you can take $50,000 of hard-earned money 
and savings. Then you go to the bank and say, I've got 50 grand. Can you give me a loan? And the bank, as long as you pass the criteria, will turn your $50,000 into potentially $500,000 is absolutely amazing to me. Leverage is the most misunderstood investment principle. As I say, most people are under-leveraged. They are not throwing enough leverage out there to catch enough growth to ride the wave of investment success. Too many Aussies are under-leveraged right now. And leverage is just such a powerful tool. Even if the market doesn't even go up, the fact that you can take $50,000 and exchange that and get $500,000 is just amazing. And of course, if that $500,000 was to grow by 10%, you would all of a sudden have an asset worth $550,000. And that's where compounding interest comes in because the next capital growth thereafter is against your $550,000. Albert Einstein once called it the eighth wonder of the world, compounding returns and real estate just happens to have the best leverage on compounding returns going around. So don't underestimate this because up until the 1990s when banks deregulated, borrowing money was hard. My father always talks about just how amazing our world is compared to his when it came to leverage. He literally had to buy his first property using vendor finance because banks really didn't lend to people like they do today. Back then, there was credit unions and building societies really based on if you had an industry you worked at, you borrowed off that industry. The building society of the police officers. Today, of course, there are so many different lenders and it just makes leverage just so much more accessible. Again, don't underestimate leverage. It is something that is really a marvellous vehicle and too many people are just under-leveraged. The second ingredient to being a good investor, don't get thrown by the cycles. Investment markets will constantly go through cycles and phases, both good and bad, both good and bad. When the market is going down, you know, it's a great time to buy. When the market is going down, you lock in your equity. When the market is going up, your assets are rising. When the market is going up, it's still a great time to buy because you're going to get a rising market. You can buy in both good and bad times. And absolutely, both in good and bad times, you can hold. Real estate is an investment asset designed to go through bad times and good times. It has three forms of income. It has tax benefits, capital growth benefits, and it has rental return benefits. Remember, assets are linked to the cost of borrowing money. And right now, even if the real estate market was to start going backwards, which it doesn't seem like it will, your asset is linked to the cost of money and most people can get more rent and create a surplus of income compared to the cost of money. Don't get thrown by the cycles. 
Too many people sit on the fence for way too long and don't uh, spend enough capital to try and be capitalists. They sit five years out of the market because the interest rates are too high or property prices seem too expensive. And guess what? All that seems to happen is by the time you get into the market, you are paying more. Too many people are undercapitalized. Invest for the long term. It's the third ingredient to investment. Again, could be across many other asset classes. Real estate is slow. That's the beautiful thing about real estate. It generally is a slow performer. It really is not like the stock market. You don't see these massive crashes in the real estate economy. You often see the real estate economy go sideways for a little bit, or even dip in value. But over the long term, it really is a classic performer. And uh, really, if it was a sportsman, real estate would be in the marathon, not the sprint. And I say that because really too many, people, too many people miss that ingredient when it comes to investing, end up flirting with real estate and giving up pretty quickly. Don't let that be you because you can absolutely do pretty well if you hold for the long term. And I don't think I've ever met anyone who's owned real estate for say over 30 years who's sad, right? Because I've met people who've owned real estate for over 30 years and their return on their money is spectacular. Their yield compared to their debt is amazing. And so if you can go the distance, you're absolutely going to be rewarded. That 30 years could be two to three property cycles where real estate generally goes up. Diversification is the fourth ingredient. I think it's super important for investors to diversify. I teach the property trifecta. In other words, I love real estate and I want to create diversification in that asset class. How do I do that? Well, I don't put all my eggs in one basket. I diversify. My first diversification plan is what I call my five properties in five cities plan. There is a podcast on that. I'm sure you can go back and find it. But what that really is about is just putting together five really good growth buy and hold properties. Five really good growth buy and hold properties. That's the first real estate uh, component to the trifecta. The second component to the trifecta is what I call dividend assets. This is where you're buying real estate more along the lines of cash flow. And that cash flow can be in blocks of units, it can be in duplexes, or you can use some urban strategies today which are really awesome to get extra cash flow. Things like Airbnb and uh, dual income strategies. Now, I know Airbnb is a bit on the nose at the moment, but it'll bounce back. And really, uh, dividend uh Real estate is all about cash flow. Then the third trifecta I teach is the speculation plan. I'm an armchair developer. I develop with other people. Um, my proximity around wealth is strong. So I've got uh, literally other property investors. We together team up and we go and buy small developments and speculate 
through changing the highest and best use of that real estate that we're going to engineer and speculate and change and manufacture our own equity. And we do that through small development, armchair development. So you got the five cities plan or the growth plan, you've got the cash flow plan, and then you've got the speculation plan. That is diversification in a single asset class. But then you can take it a step further and diversify even further. Obviously, when it comes to asset classes, there's things like cash in the bank, which is absolutely worthless right now. If you have cash in the bank, you've got rocks in your head. Government bonds, really, really, uh, again, not a prime asset class right now. Then you've got credit. And businesses, businesses can be great asset classes, but they take a lot of effort. Then you've got equities and shares, which again, is, uh, can be a good asset class, but also can jump around and often experience a little bit of volatility. I love real assets. I love real estate, but I also invest in the other asset classes. For example, my real estate, which I've paid off, buys shares. I don't personally buy shares. My rent from my real estate invests in the share market. Again, a diversification uh, plan. And a big part of the ingredients you need for this recipe. Again, let's go back to the start of this podcast and we talked about people being undercapitalized, having limiting beliefs around money, aiming too low. Don't aim low, aim high. And the fifth ingredient really is to turn down the noise. Don't be clickbait. Every day, media organizations will get you to click on stuff, both good and bad. And I think the more of that noise we can turn down, we can fix our biases to certain things and go out and find credible and good information. So much noise came out when coronavirus hit that the property market was going to crumble. And then, of course, what actually ended up happening is the property market bucked that trend and ended up becoming quite successful. Lots of people got scared away simply by listening to the noise. And, of course, those people are potentially still cheating themselves out of good opportunities because they chose to listen to the noise that the market was going to crash by 50% and now they've tuned out. You could speak to them and say, hey man, the real estate market's actually going up and they would not believe you. They've created what we call a confirmation bias. You've got to turn down the noise. News sells doom. Think about watching the news any night of the week there's usually one happy story about a cat being saved in a pipe and 29 minutes of just horror, shock and awe. Don't be clickbait, turn down the noise. Equally, don't be a sheep. Now, I say this with the greatest love and respect to our education system, uh, people behind uh, our tax system, but really... We go to school to end up rather being like robots. We go to school, we end, leave school with no financial education about how the real world works. And of course, the score we get from a testing system determines really a lot of what we can choose in higher education. 
So a lot of people end up doing degrees in things they don't particularly love because they scored a 70 or they scored an 80. And that gets them into a certain category of what is available in the university system. Making it even more complicated, people borrow money, huge amounts of money, to go to university. And then when they leave university, they're already in debt and start their financial life. And of course, what then is kind of the social etiquette is to go out and get a home to start a family. And that home loan just happens to be 30 years long, which is actually very similar to the amount of time most people will really work, around 30 to 35 years. In fact, the harder you work, the more you pay. In our tax system, in a capitalist system, the more you make, the more tax you pay. Now, so many people end up on this treadmill and it is a bit of a rat race and I don't, you know, again, want to offend anyone that that is the system of the sheep. Actually, if you go out and borrow $450,000 to buy a property, you're going to pay over the long-term loan of that property around $521,000 in interest. So you borrow $450,000. By the time the loan finishes, you've actually paid an extra $521,000. So you go out and buy a family home for $450,000, you're actually paying a million dollars for that family home over the life of the loan. And of course, that family home does go up in value and eventually is worth more than the million you paid for it. But actually, that's where society ends up, as we say, asset rich with no money, asset rich cash poor, because people have spent their entire working career paying too much tax and paying down an asset which is not what we call good debt. Now, I'm a believer in owning your own home and there is a lot of great opportunities to do that. Lots of government will almost like give you free money, free grants and free building boosts to go and get started. And you, the amazing thing today is you can take some grants and building boosts and then go and get leverage using those grants and building boosts, which is a fantastic way to get into the marketplace. But... I think the best way to end up living in your home of your dreams is to be a rent investor. When I put 50 people in a room and I get to speak to people and share information, a big part of my journey now is simply sharing, I often ask the question, who here lives in their dream home? When there's about 50 people in the room, usually one person puts their hand up. 49 of those other homeowners are not living in their dream home. They're actually living somewhere they hate. They're living in a home which they don't, you know, love. And it's a bit of a shame because there is another way. And I certainly did it the other way where I rented in an area which I liked and invested And because I invested so heavily and was not undercapitalized, 
I was capitalized in the marketplace. Eventually, when I wanted my own home, I didn't go from home I didn't love. I went straight from investor to absolute home, amazing home that I love. And yes, I could actually rent it out and continue to capitalize and and have more and more and more. But there is a point where you go, I do want my own home. But my argument is, let that point be after you invest. Because investment will allow you more leverage in the market. You won't be undercapitalized. In other words, the fact you go out and buy one property, being your family home, often actually holds you back from ending up in a dream state. The best thing in my viewpoint, and it is just my prejudice today, is that you go and buy five good growth properties and then eventually get out and buy that dream home using all that equity from that wealth you've created. Particularly if you're listening and you're young, it's a great way to do it. Now, again, why is that way actually fundamentally better than being a sheep? Well, it's as simple as this. You go to work on a Monday, you exchange your time for money, yet you get to keep no money you created on a Monday because it goes to the tax system. Tuesday, you go to work, you exchange your time for money, you keep no money that you earn on a Tuesday because it is then passed on to the tax system. If you're a homeowner, by Wednesday, you're literally uh, making your first dollar to pay that mortgage, which is no doubt very expensive. However, if you own three, four, five properties, the odds of you getting your Monday and your Tuesday back are a lot higher. Most property investors are not paying 30, 35% tax. They're paying anywhere from five to literally 15% tax. They've eliminated tax in their situation. They are providing rental properties to the property market. By doing so, they are getting credited with more wealth. Again, I'm pro owning your own home. There are some great benefits. In fact, one of the greatest way to become a property investor is to take a low cost home loan and live in a property for a year, then go and rent it out and start your journey as a rent investor. Eventually circling back to being a homeowner in a bloody awesome home. Don't cut yourself short by not spending enough capital in a capitalist economy. You need to overcapitalize. You need to get your capital out there. Don't let it be stuck in mediocrity. Rent Invest is a really good way to do that these days. So the next part of the puzzle is to be a contrarian. Yes, the next ingredient, be a contrarian. Netflix was a contrarian of television. For 20, 30, 50 years, we all watched TV. We all had the commercials breaking up a show, a show that really was about a 25-minute long program, went for an hour because to see the end, we had to go through the commercials. Netflix came along and said, we're not only going to fix that, we'll give you the next 12 episodes as well. Netflix 
created binge-watching television. Lo and behold, they were a contrarian and now they are the norm. Warren Buffett has the great saying, show fear when others show courage, show courage when others show fear. And of course, what Warren Buffett is saying, buy low, sell high, which makes so much sense as a property investor. But quite often, there isn't these big moments or big swings like crashes that you potentially associate that statement around. So I look deeper into that statement. I'm a contrarian with everything to do with real estate. Everyone will be bottlenecked by urbanization, planetary urbanization. The world is swelling in population because there is too many people. Big cities like Melbourne, Sydney, Auckland are hard to get around. If everyone is finding it hard to get around, I bet as a contrarian, I bet on mobility. Climate change is real. So bet on climate resilient areas. Everyone is buying real estate in areas which are non-climate resilient because they are affordable. However, be a contrarian. Bet on climate resilient areas. Again, it's about doing the opposite because the opposite creates an even greater effect because real estate is driven by supply versus demand. People will continue to grow unwell in a very hostile uh, economy. So bet on wellness neighbourhoods. Traffic is going to be horrendous when Sydney, Melbourne, Auckland double their population in just 30 years' time. It's horrendous now. Because traffic is horrendous, be a contrarian. Bet on walking. All of a sudden you see what the great master Warren Buffett is teaching us. Show fear when others show courage. Do the opposite to what everyone is doing. I love being an investor contrarian. I think it is absolutely the best way to see growth in your assets. And I'm absolutely uh, a, a proof in the pudding, so to speak. The eighth ingredient of your recipe is cash flow. Cash flow helps you grow. And I say this because too many people, again, are undercapitalized in the market. And because they're undercapitalized, when you look beneath the surface as to why they are not pushing more capital into the marketplace, it's because they can't service. They don't have enough cash flow. This means having a parallel career, a second job. This means having a parallel business. This means creating more cash flow in your life. You have to do it because the more capital you can get into the market, the better off you're going to be. So a lot of people just don't get enough cash flow rolling in. This may mean you need to change job to get a higher wage because you get a higher wage all of a sudden you can borrow more you can push more capital out cash flow is a seed to the entire thing and that can be fixing cash flow in your assets it could be putting the rent up in your properties it could be making sure 
You own real estate with tenants who can sustain rent increases. All of this is so important because it allows you to push capital out and not be undercapitalized in the real estate world. The ninth ingredient is my Forex growth plan, which of course I've taught many times at this podcast. But as we know, real estate is a, a macro thing. There is an overarching trend in the market of where to invest. It is a micro thing where you do need to drill down into specific locations and understand and question what's good about those locations, what makes them unique. And of course, at a niche level where the footprint or orientation or elevation or finishes of a property make it different to other real estate. I teach the Forex growth plan, which simply put is buy well, choose a great location, choose a great market on the move, and of course, choose a behavior like orientation or elevation, which is going to add value to the real estate and push it along its journey. So important at a macro, micro and niche level to use the Forex growth plan so you have the right ingredients for your recipe of property success. And the final ingredient in this recipe, you need to design a planned financial life cycle. So important. Real estate is slow and life is also drawn out. We live for a very long time. The average Aussies and Kiwis are going to hit 90 years of age before they pass away. So we have to map out our complete financial lifestyle. And fortunately, real estate is also very slow, rather like life. But our lifestyles work in a few uh, periods. The first period is debt creation. And this podcast today, I'm trying to explain to you Debt creation is the most important part. You need to go out and get into debt because debt creation will then morph into early debt, creation, early debt reduction. You're going to go from debt creation to debt reduction and all you need is a life cycle, time. And because you'll end up in a place where there's debt reduction – all of a sudden, you end up in an area where you're debt-free and you're simply maintaining wealth. Create debt. Reduce debt. Wealth maintenance. You have to map it out. And again, if you've never thought about this or you've got confirmation bias around other things, it's time to get started. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I've certainly enjoyed bringing it to you. You take care wherever you are. And if you feel like leaving me a five-star review, a bit of a junkie for them. So uh, feel free to tap on your iPhone, leave me a five-star review and a few kind words. I'll uh, do you a shout out. Hey, thanks everyone for listening. All the best with the rest of your day or evening, wherever you are. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. 
Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.